0: So, the other day, I had a meltdown at Kroger, and I would like to justify it to you, and to myself, and maybe a little bit to my wife. There's a couple of contributing factors, all right? I will own the first one. This is my fault. I was at the grocery store way too late. Nobody is having a good time at Kroger at 9.30 p.m., okay? That one's on me. Second one's not on me, all right? I blame Indiana for this. I had seasonal allergies. Alright? Like sinus headache and then tears just coming out of my eyes. Like just liquid anger at the allergy season. I don't know. It's not emotional tears, just just tears coming down my face during this. And, uh, the third one is also not my fault. That was the day that the higher ups at Kroger, whoever they may be, decided it was a great idea to rearrange my grocery store. Alright? Maybe you can relate to this feeling of entitlement. But they decided, and I learned at 9.30 at night, that it was a great idea to rearrange the grocery store. And I learned this while I'm there for other things, including, but not limited to, juice boxes. So I go to the juice box aisle, and I go there, and I look, and they're not there. Because someone, in their infinite corporate wisdom, decided it made sense to take them and not put them with the food, not leave them in the juice box aisle, oh no, uh, but instead, all the food's over here and then the frozen section is here and then the home goods are over there and then they take the juice boxes and they're like, you know what? Let's get them, boys. And then let's move them past the rest of the food, past the frozen section towards the home goods with the candles. <laughs> Can you feel the frustration? Because it's there, baby. They moved it on me. And uh, I, wasn't, I wasn't doing too great, guys, that night. I mean, instead of asking for help or checking the app, I just start to stomp up and down the aisles at Kroger for about 20 minutes. I wanna quit, but I don't wanna go home and be like, hey, sorry, babe, I couldn't find the juice boxes, it was too hard. Like, no, that's pathetic. <laughs> you know what's less pathetic? Stomping up and down the aisles at Kroger for 20 minutes. And if you saw me, I am so sorry, I was not at my best. Uh, I mean, eventually, you know, just kind of found out where they are, got them, pay for them, leave. It's an incredibly anticlimactic story. It's just embarrassing how angry I got about the juice boxes. I wouldn't describe myself as an angry person, right? I don't think many of us would describe ourselves as angry people. But whether anger is this ongoing struggle or something that seems to come out of nowhere, we deal with it, right? We we get angry over a lot of little things. Like we get angry when the idiot doesn't know how to drive. We get angry when we scroll social media. We get angry when in-laws do in-law things. Like we, we get angry over a lot of little stuff. And then there's the big stuff right? Like the, the abuse, the unjust firings, like the the, the crazy big stuff. We, we get angry about that too, but we also get angry about the juice boxes. As, as Adam mentioned, we're kicking off our series untriggered. And we're talking about how to deal with anger in our lives. And some of you guys might see this. You might think untriggered and you're just like, triggered. That's what the youth these days say when they're upset about something on the internet. And all right, fine. Back in my day, we just got angry. Tomatoes, tomatoes, same, same thing, right? We're not talking about triggers dealing with like mental abuse or trauma that's not what we're talking about we're talking about what do we do when we get angry how do we live a life where we are not constantly angry i don't think we want to be the person that's constantly angry what are we supposed to do and there's a couple of responses that we take these aren't winners by the way uh one of them is just to embrace it i've had a hard life i'm an angry person just deal with it but that doesn't honor god that doesn't honor people that's not fun to be around that's not it uh, sometimes we just deny it. So I'm just going to stuff my feelings down. I'm not angry. I don't even feel anything at all about this situation. And then we explode and, oh, it turns out that only worked until it didn't. There's, there's gotta be a better way. Well, fair. God says a lot about anger and how we should respond to it. And God even talks about how we should have a dual response to anger. But Before we get to that, there's a first step. It's a weird one. Uh, let's realize that anger is broader than just juice box fueled rage. All right. Like, anger can mean a lot of different things. I'm not the best at identifying my feelings. So when a counselor told me about something called a feelings wheel, I was very confused. I didn't know the feelings had a shape. Uh, turns out they do. Here's a feelings wheel. Uh, there's a lot of words, few colors. Here's the point. We have some primary emotions, and then those emotions in different situations at different levels of intensity can show up as a lot of different things. So let's zoom in on the anger one, all right? The feeling of anger in different situations at different levels of intensity same emotion can mean annoyed or bitter or feeling disrespected, right? When we realize that anger's all of those, okay, but yeah, we, we all deal with some of those feelings in life, sure. But how are we supposed to respond to anger? It's kind of a weird response. Humor me. Uh, it's a dual response. We actually have to do two things at the same time, all right? Um, and the reason for it, is because there's some stuff in life we're in control of, and there's some stuff in life we're not. Shocker. I know. But we are responsible for what we can control. God does not hold us responsible for what we cannot control. So we've got to split this thing into two parts. The for me section that deals with my attitude and actions, what we can control, and the for them, for everything we can't. So we're going to throw up a dual response on the screen. For me... For you, with our attitude and actions, we're supposed to be quick, slow, slow. We'll talk about that in a minute. And our response to everything we cannot control is to extend grace. When we deal with anger, we've got to do both of these. Alright? Let's take the first one. The response for me is to be quick, slow, slow. Yeah, no, hey, you guys are on it. Right, let's go, let's throw up a Bible verse. It's actually James chapter one, verses 19 and 20. This is where we get this idea of being quick, slow, slow. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be, here's the pattern, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. See, God wants us to be righteous. He wants us to live our life in a way that honors him. Anger does not help us do that. Anger often hurts, and it can cloud our judgment and our decision making. All right, so for the record, he's not saying never get angry or you will never get angry. What are we supposed to do with it? And that's where we get this pattern, all right? You must all be, here's our pattern, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. We're gonna talk about the three of them. We're gonna make sure we get this just drilled into our heads, all right? Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry, quick, slow, slow. We're gonna play a game. You're gonna say it with me. I don't care if you don't like it. Quick, slow, slow. Quick? Slow. Ooh, I threw you off, sorry. We're gonna switch this game up. Quick? Quick. Slow? Slow. 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 Quick, slow, 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 quick, slow, slow. I was just doing this to see if someone got frustrated, but you guys did great. Man, I'm still going to irritate you guys, though. I put up my Christmas decorations this weekend. Anyway, moving on. Hey, we can all get angry about a lot of things, and right now you guys need to be quick to listen and slow to speak and way slower to get angry about my holiday spirit. 50 days, baby. Uh, Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. We're going to talk about all three of them. Let's start with the first one, quick to listen, all right? What does it mean to be quick to listen? Well, there's going to be situations where we are just naturally, whether it's by circumstances or what we like or what we dislike, that it's easier for us to get angry. I'm actually going to take a page out of Ted Lasso's dart throwing scene and say, be curious, all right? And part of being quick to listen is being curious right? Like actually wanting to know where the other person is coming from. Have you ever been in a conversation and you're listening, right? But you're not listening to see where they're coming from. You're just kind of waiting and you're just kind of collecting ammunition. Like as they say things, as they are wrong, like you're just kind of preparing your argument and then they're going to finish the conversation and then it's your turn and boom, suits, lawyer mode. Here we go. Here's why I'm right. Here's why you're wrong. And Let me list the ways. Satisfying. Yes. Healthy, no. Honoring to God, not what we're talking about. So we're called to be quick to listen. And that doesn't mean just like listening to respond, but actually listening to understand. Doesn't mean they're right. But can you see where they're coming from? Maybe why do they think what they think? Why do they feel what they feel? And actually being quick to listen, I think that could change the dynamic of a lot of conversations. And plot twist, spoiler alert, whatever you want to call it, I'm going to do this with all of them. We can go to God about this. See, God wants us to be quick to listen. Doesn't mean it's easy, but he wants us to do that. So we can ask him, even in the middle of a conversation, God, would you help me do this? God, would you help me see where they're coming from? And like, we, we can multitask. Shocking, I know. But we can, in the middle of a conversation, listen to them and say, God, would you please help me? Help me to respond to this in a way that honors you. Quick, slow, slow. Quick to listen, slow to speak. Sometimes, we just need to shut up, all right? Like, at least we need to take a little bit more time before we speak. Come on, we've all said something and then just realized, like, ah, oh, that came out of my mouth. <laughs> Whoops. We've, we've sent that message. I love that Apple's got that undo send button, but you can't undo read. Like, the other person may have already read it, right? Like, we've felt the panic of, I have said or sent something, and I wish I cannot. But, man, if we are a little bit slower to speak, it actually catches some of that before it happens. Have you ever felt like you're so angry you can't think straight? That is actually a scientific fact. I know, weird, but the University of Melbourne, I did a study that shows that anger uses up a disproportionate amount of cognitive resources. So our brain power is limited, and when we are angry, we have less of it to work with. So when we are angry, we are less capable of producing a good response to a situation. And being slow to speak, it gives us time for our mental resources to free up. It also gives us time to pray. We can do a lot of stuff with that pause. But we are better equipped to respond to a situation if we are slow to speak. Right? As soon as we start to feel that feeling of anger or whatever feelings wheel category in the red of anger, we start to think whether that's frustration or annoyance or bitterness, right? If we are slow to speak, we are better equipped to respond to a situation. Practically, right? There's a couple of ways we can do that. One of them is just pausing. Five comes next. Hey, that's about five seconds. That is not an incredibly awkward amount of silence, but sometimes just pausing five seconds frees up some of those cognitive resources for us to respond better to a situation. Sometimes five seconds isn't going to do it, okay? I get that. Maybe you wait an hour. You can't always wait an hour in the middle of a conversation, but you can definitely wait an hour before you reply to a text. It's better to leave somebody on red than say something you'll regret. It's better to wait to send that email. Just wait till the next day. You get 24 hours, wait till the next day, then reply, rather than do something stupid. Sometimes it's not actually about a length of time. Sometimes you just need to wait until you eat or sleep. Snacks and naps solve a surprising amount of problems. And... We can go to God in the middle of this too, right? Sometimes, yeah, just pausing will make a difference. But when we pause, we say, hey, God, will you help me to respond to this situation? God, I'm mad. I don't even see where they're coming from. Would you help me not do anything I'll regret? The other day, I was at a restaurant up in Indy, and it was, it was, it was bad, honestly. The food was okay. The service I got was horrible. I don't know what I did. Maybe it was nothing. Maybe it was unrelated to me. But for whatever reason, everyone else is having a great time, And the waiter was less than ideal to me, put kindly. And I wish I could say I was there just with incredible humility. And it's just like, God, please help me to treat this guy exactly the way you want me to treat him in a way that is honoring, that shows my love for Jesus. And instead, like the prayer, she's like, God, help me not do anything stupid. I me shut up. I'm I'm just, I'm mad. When we pause, it can prevent us from saying something we'll regret. It also gives us the time to go to God. And sometimes God will change things. I wish this story had like an incredible twist where, and then everything got better, but it didn't. But if we are slow to speak, then God can do a whole lot with a pause. He can change us. He can change the situation. He can change them. I'm also going to throw this out. This is a good bet, right? I mean, come on. It's NFL Sunday. There's a lot of people are going to be watching and betting later. This is an incredible bet. It is low risk, high reward, all right? Man, very low chance that there's something wrong that happens when you pause five seconds. There's a very high likelihood that your response will be better. Great bet. Low risk, high reward. Slow to speak. Quick, slow, slow. Slow to become angry. I think it's third for a reason, by the way. Like when we do the first two, this one comes more naturally. Do you want to know another way to say slow to become angry? Be patient. Right? Be patient. That's, that's what this is saying. Man. Be patient. Patience is hard. And I think one of the reasons it's hard is because patience is a very unique form of strength. Sometimes we think about anger and strength. Like, man, I'm so angry. I don't know. I'm going to go throw hands with Kroger over the juice boxes. But we kind of connect anger and strength. I don't know that that's always the right way. I think that's actually a form of weakness, that we are so quick to anger. And it's a form of strength that we would be slower to become angry. Patience is a a weird thing, right? It's like the Christian version of leg day, all right? hear, Hear me out. I know. I don't look like I go to the gym. I don't. Planet Fitness membership. Haven't used it in a year. But... Leg day is this thing where you have to, in order to strengthen a muscle, use a muscle you don't want to use. To become more patient, you are exercising a faith muscle, if you will, that you often do not want to use. All right? It goes together. Man, a good thing about this is that God will help you, right? God wants us to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And so it's a prayer that he will honor. He will help us become more patient. But it often comes by exercising a muscle we don't want to exercise. Also, third of the it's not just a muscle we exercise. We do have a responsibility in this, but it's also a fruit of the spirit. These are traits that God grows and cultivates in our life. When we surrender more of our life to him and we follow him and we do what he says, he makes us more like him. So God will make us more patient as we walk with him and we spend more of our time with him. And as we exercise a muscle we don't like to exercise. Quick to listen, slow to speak slow to become angry. Now, all of those are things that we can control. Nobody can make you be slow to listen, fast to speak, or fast to become angry. We can control whether or not we are quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. That's up to us. But what about the stuff that's not up to us, right? There's stuff we can control, and there's stuff we can't. So we have a dual response. For us, quick, slow, slow. We're in control of that. For everything else that we are not in control of, we extend grace, right? We've got to do both of these, same time. For us, quick, slow, slow. For everything else, we extend grace. There's a parable, a fictional story with a point that Jesus taught that talks about this. It's found in Matthew 18 21 through 35. We've got this king who has a servant who owes him 10,000 bags of gold. It's a lot of gold. It's like Scrooge McDuck kind of gold, okay? A lot of gold. And if you want to do the math, I found someone who did online. Thank you, Google. Uh, Based on the calculation of how much someone would make in a day to a talent of gold, to bags of gold, this is about a debt of $3.48 billion. And that's $2015, so like $7 billion now, all right? A lot of dollars, a lot of gold. This is an amount a servant would never be able to pay, just not a chance. So the master orders that everything the servant owns is sold in order to pay a portion of the debt. And at this, the servant fell on his knees before him, Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. There's no way he could pay back everything. And I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. That is incredible generosity. This amount that could never be repaid has been forgiven. What does the servant do? Does he throw a party? Does he go to Chili's to celebrate? I don't know. No, actually, he goes and he finds another servant who owes him a hundred pieces of silver. Same calculations, all right? That is about 5.8K, all right? It's not nothing, but it is a reasonable amount to potentially repay. And he sees this servant who owes him less than six grand, and he starts choking him. And the guy goes, Oh, please forgive me. I will pay back everything. Just give me time. And instead of canceling or forgiving the debt, he gets thrown in prison. Well, the master hears about this, and he's not thrilled. You wicked servant, he says, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? Makes sense. Let's make it about us. We are the servant who owed a debt of 10,000 bags of gold. When we sin against God, when we live in any way that falls short of his perfect and holy standard... We incur a debt we cannot possibly repay on our own. Because God loves us, Jesus came down, lived a perfect life without sinning, died a death he didn't deserve, made it possible for us to be made right with God. It's grace. God extends grace to us, a massive amount. And as followers of Jesus, we now have an opportunity to extend grace to others. Not because people are good and they just need a tiny boost has nothing to do with it. No, no, no. We have an opportunity to extend grace because we have received grace, because we have received more grace than we could ever possibly extend. Following Jesus actually means we now get to and have to extend grace to others. What does this look like? Because I mean, we can talk about grace and extending grace, but, like, but practically, what does it mean? A couple things it isn't. And extending grace does not mean enabling abuse, all right? We are called to extend grace and to be wise at the same time. So extending grace does not mean you have to stay in a dangerous situation. It also doesn't mean you have to live a life without boundaries, all right? And we can extend grace and change what a relationship looks like at the same time. Um, it's, It's not the conversation for today, but boundaries are actually driven out of love. And so boundaries and anger don't mix well. It's not meant to be a punishment. Boundaries driven by love is a different conversation. But know that for this case, extending grace does not mean enabling abuse. It doesn't mean you don't have to have boundaries. I think it actually has a lot more to do with what sort of a standard we hold people to. We often hold people to a perfect standard. We may not say it out loud. We may not think it. But with in anger, we often hold people to a perfect standard feel free to hold someone to a perfect standard as soon as you meet it yourself, all right? And I'm talking to me too, because we don't often say we would do this, We, we just do it. Want to know a really painful example? You guys watched the Colts game against the Browns two weeks ago? The last 50 seconds? And in the last 50 seconds, we watched referees make multiple, just wrong decisions that cost the Colts a game. And I got mad and I yelled at the TV too, And then I saw a Facebook post from one of my friends who's married to a referee. And I looked at it just from a different perspective. Man, as wrong as those calls were, these are still people likely trying their best. Oh, yeah. Maybe we don't always get to hold people to a perfect standard. It's not just about a perfect standard, right? There's a verse in the Bible, a couple of them. They're in John. And it changed the way I viewed people and standards and expectations. John 2, 24 through 25. These people are starting to follow Jesus. It says, but Jesus didn't trust them because he knew all about people. No one needed to tell him about human nature, for he knew it was in each person's heart. And Jesus, who loves people so much that he died for us, full of grace, served people, loved people, was not surprised by human nature. And yet we are surprised sometimes, not only when people miss a perfect standard, but when they miss a reasonable one. It is reasonable that if you say, hey, will you take the trash out? The other person takes the trash out, as long as they live with you and use the trash can too. You can't do that to strangers. Uh, It is reasonable if you say, hey, I'll be there at three o'clock, that you are there at three o'clock. Like It is reasonable. And people miss, not just perfect, but reasonable standards. And extending grace means letting people miss reasonable standards, not without boundaries, but without punishment. Without, in our anger, holding people to a standard we also don't meet. We extend grace because we have received grace. You get a little crazy with this. We can even do something called pre-forgiveness, right? Forgiving someone is when you cancel the debt they owe you because of their actions and how they wrong you. Well, you can pre-forgive someone. You can forgive someone before they incur that debt, before they hurt you. You can decide ahead of time, I will forgive them. And that's the kind of thing that transforms relationships. Kyle's going to talk more about forgiveness in a couple of weeks. But, man, we can extend grace by not holding people to a perfect standard, not holding them to a reasonable standard, and even pre-forgiving them when they miss it. And all of this, I mean, let's not forget that our response to anger isn't just about grace. It's also about what we do with ourselves, with our attitude and our actions in the middle of it. Dual response. For us, quick, slow, slow. Quick to listen, slow to speak. So to become angry, and then for everything we cannot control, we extend grace—not because we deserve it, not because they deserve it, but because we have received grace. And we do all of this not just in conversations, but in situations that we don't want to be in. Right? It's not just about how do I respond to a person; it's how do I respond to everything that angers me, whether that's a referee, or traffic, or a conversation, or an email that actually turned into a meeting that should have been an email. Like, how we respond to these things that anger us, that trigger us, is an opportunity to worship God based on how we respond. And we can sing as a form of worship, but also living in obedience to what God says is a form of worship. And so we have an opportunity to honor and worship God by being quick, slow, slow, and by extending grace. The secret to all of this, like, it's not incredible self-control. I wish it was, because sometimes that feels easier. But it's not it's going to God in the middle of our anger and our frustration and asking for help. We can do that in the middle of an angry moment, but just like forgiveness, we can also do it ahead of time. So that's actually what we're going to do right now, is we're going to pray together, and I'm just going to give you guys a couple of prompts and give you guys a chance to pray just silently between you and God about how you want to respond to the next time there's an angering situation. So everyone, go ahead and bow your, eye, go bow your head, close your eyes. I'll do the same up here. And just ask God to help you to be quick to listen. God, would you help us to listen to understand? Not just to respond, but actually listen to understand where someone else is coming from. Take a minute and ask God to help you be slow to speak. God, would you help us pause before we reply to an email or a conversation? Would you help us just to honor you by pausing? And ask God to help you to be patient. God, would you help us be patient? Would you help us to be slow to anger? And would you help us to own our part of this and to do what we can control? But God, please help us to, do, to deal with what we can't control in a way that honors you. So think of the person or the situation that angers you the most. Ask God to help you extend grace. Ask God to help you remember how much grace you need. Hey God, we need a lot of grace. We get this wrong frequently. We'll get it wrong again. Would you please help us to honor you and to worship you with how we respond to anger? Would you help us to be quick, slow, slow, not just as a discipline, but as an act of worship? Because we love you and because we follow you, would you help us to respond to anger in a way that honors you? Would you help us to extend grace, not to make ourselves feel better, not to make ourselves feel worse, but because you have extended so much grace to us? Would you help us just to extend a fraction of it? to a world that needs it just as badly. Would you help us to trust you and honor you and love you and follow you? And that as an act of worship, we could respond to anger in a way that's very different than what is normal in this world. We love you. Help us to love you more. Amen.